Welcome to Before the Come Up. I'm your host, GT Savanike. In this podcast, I sit down with a different member of the Columbia Business School class of 2023 each week. I learn about their backgrounds, their upbringings, and things that motivate them and drive them. This week, we sit down with Nia Johnson. We learn about her passion for venture capital and how she grew a social media following as an avenue to reach her goals. We also learn about how she found her purpose and her journey to CBS. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get right into it. Hi, Nia. How are you doing? Good. How are you, GT? I'm doing great. Welcome to the podcast. I think the first thing I'd like to ask you is a little bit about where you're from and what it was like growing up. Okay. So um, I was born and raised in Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, My dad was a um, software engineer at Intel. Um, Actually has like three patents. It comes right up in Google, actually. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was like a really big deal, I guess. (laughs) Like, I don't know. And um, my mom is a owns a tutoring business in town and um yeah that's um pretty much it just like um typical upper middle class situation so tell me a little bit about growing up in uh, massachusetts you said it was a little more uh of a suburban upbringing yeah like so worcester is a small city mm-hmm. and then i lived in like a suburban town outside of worcester so like once you get that far out, it gets like really like suburban bordering on rural. And like I didn't particularly enjoy that. Like I think just deeply, I think I was always just born with this innate value system to like want to explore, want to like figure things out. And I think I just got to a certain age where there was just nothing really left to like learn or explore. And I think at that's when I think I started disengaging with everything. Gotcha, gotcha. So at that age, did you already have an idea of what you wanted to be when you were older? Like when you were growing up, did you have a strong idea of what you wanted to be? Or was it something that kind of changed every day? I think it changed every day. I think it's because like, I, I think realized that I was best suited for a career that I didn't know existed until like I was a young adult. Because like I had these sets of skills. Like I was really good at like, the arts I was really good at like history English like I could like pattern match pretty well and I could like pick up trends and kind of like understand the root of an issue but like at that point in my life I didn't know how I could apply that career-wise and like it's Massachusetts so it's like very STEM and very biotech every everyone was like pushing STEM and I was just like I don't know and I don't care okay Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it was like it was like kind of hard like balancing my like want to learn and my want for like creativity and innovation and also like making money paying the bills <laughs> yeah so okay i find that really interesting and i would love to dive a little bit into that point so the thing that kind of pricked my ears up was that you were saying that it was like a, a career that you didn't know existed so i would love you to just kind of take us through your career path before getting to cbs and kind of talk to us about how you've navigated understanding what that job ultimately is if perhaps you found your calling or maybe you're still searching for it oh no i think i figured it figured it out like through a lot of soul searching like during before and during the pandemic um but 
basically roughly the whole trajectory was that like I like as a kid like my parents were pushing me to do doctor 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 like typical like POC family stuff like doctor engineer do something in the lawyer right but no interest in what I'm actually good at just like make money and like I was just like I like entertained it for a while but then I realized like this isn't me like I don't not good at this I don't really care and I think for me it's like when I don't care about something I'm just like completely like shut down like and um then I was like kind of there kind of just like exploring possible majors because I think at that point I was like entering undergrad so I was like okay what major do I want I'm like do I want to do poli-sci like I'm okay at that I have some AP credits from that um do I want to do English do I want to do this do I want to do that I finally like picked economics because I realized at that point I didn't know what I wanted to do but I realized that econ could give me enough flexibility to kind of figure it out like okay like if I don't know what I want to do now like I can kind of just know that I have this skill set that I can do anything I want with and I can still be creative I can still do what I want like I think what kind of convinced me was like reading something that said Dion Dion von Furstenberg has like an econ degree and I was like, if Dion, if Dion von Furstenberg has a degree in economics, then I can do whatever the fuck sure, I want. Sure, <laughs> sure. No, I think that's so interesting. Um, because for me, I actually went through a similar route where I changed my major. I went to a smaller art school, so I changed my major many times and finally ended up on economics. And it was because I was thinking, with this, I can go to many different career paths. Mm-hmm. I didn't really pigeonhole me in one way or another. And then on the other hand, it kind of like sounded smart, you know, at the same time, but it also came quite intuitively to me, um, unlike other subjects. Awesome. So you land on economics. What happens next? So like from there, like I kind of just wanted to see like, what can I do with economics? So I kind of like applied to everything that was like econ related, econ adjacent. So I applied to some rules, some like internships in banking, some internships at um, Department of Commerce. I actually did get that internship at Department of Commerce. I did um, an internship at Select USA for like one semester my sophomore year and um, kind of just tried to like get into it. And it was like interesting. And I think I slowly like realized, like, okay, like I want a job where I can do like high level analysis, but I was still not sure like what that was, what that looked like. And I kind of just was like kind of feeling my way around and then like I think by the time I graduated I took a consulting job at um, IBM as like a business transformation consultant and it wasn't I think the high level analysis that I thought it was going to be Mm -hmm. I think it was very like implementation like I think that's what they kind of don't tell you during like the um, info sessions like that like they say you're gonna do all these things you're gonna have all the support and that ten and that turned out not to be the case. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so like I, I found myself like floundering and I was just like, oh my god, like what do I really want to do? So but at that point I was already on consulting, so I got another consulting job and mm-hmm. I was like, maybe it's like the organization, maybe I can do something else. Um, so I was at the other organization and it was great, like they it was an amazing organization. it was a small like um, boutique consulting firm and like they were completely like people first, like really great amazing like very good um operationally and I but I think I still found myself like not loving it mm. and then, then that kind of prompted me to soul search like okay what do I actually like what do I actually 
um, value. And like, I think through that process and just me looking back on my life, it was just like going back to like, I need to be learning, I need to be creating and learning or some combination of that. And funny enough, like in undergrad, like I was also interning first, interning um, for 7076, which is like the startup incubator in DC. So cool. I was doing, doing that in college. And I think that around that time, I was getting into the DC tech scene and around that time I learned about venture capital. Okay. And <laughs> and I was really interested in it, but I just had no idea where to like find or where to even start or where I would even learn about mm-hmm. that. And like at Howard, like the econ um, department is in the arts and sciences school and not the business school. Interesting. So you don't get any of the resources. Sure. So it's basically like just doing this entire thing myself. And I didn't realize until it was too late that I like missed that like banker pipeline that we needed at the time to get into DC. So I was just like, so like fast forward like a few more years, I was just like, oh, I don't like implementation consulting. Um, I want to get into venture capital. What do I do? <laughs> so like turned out that um, I just took to Twitter <laughs> and just made a bunch of friends on Twitter and just talked like. Wow. So that's so fascinating <laughs> to me. Great. So I, I see how you've basically, you know, navigated like what is a kind of a problem for you in the sense that like you've you have this like dying, like need to keep on learning, doing cool stuff, and you essentially find that path in VC. You get a little bit involved in the DC tech scene. But then you kind of hit this roadblock. So tell me about that with Twitter. So like how did you go about making these connections and where did it ultimately lead? So like I just went on like tech Twitter for a while. Like I just like followed people. I followed a bunch of people and then I would just like start replying and like once you get active, like once you start like posting, like responding to people's tweets, people start following you. Mm. And then like they keep on and then you may post yourself and then they may respond or they might post and you might respond and then you kind of build these like kind of relationships just organically. Like it's kind of amazing. Um and like through like just clicking around, like you can find people's websites and then you find like Slack groups where like you can learn about like VC startups, all that stuff. So I joined like a Slack group. And I think at that point in time, like I was just like, I just need to get in a scout program. If I get into a scout program that I can get the experience that I need for VC. And I think I just posted that in the Slack group. Like I'm a scout, I'm interested in being a scout. Does anyone have a program? So let's take a step back again. What exactly is that for people who don't know? Okay, so a VC scout is somebody who just sources deals, and that's all pretty much all they do. They um, source deals, they refer it to um, an associate or somebody at a um, fund at the fund they're working with, and then they would choose to move forward with the deal or not. Like some, so like the compensation structure is a little bit different depending fund to fund. But like if they do invest, then like the scout will sometimes get paid either in carry or in cash depending on what the what that mm-hmm. specific fund does gotcha. so that's always a good way to get your foot in the door because you're building relationships mm-hmm. and you're building like the specific skills needed to um eventually pivot full-time into vc gotcha gotcha okay great so you put that out there you know you're looking for these roles did, did anything happen did did so it did like um so um, the per- fund I currently work with, Polymath Capital Partners, um, one of the partners there, um, Ben Hassler, um, he reached out to me and he was like, oh, we're looking for scouts, how are you? And then, then we like got to talking and he was just like, answer me these questions, like, why do you want to do VC? What do you feel about like 
I guess, the ecosystem? Like, what are your opinions? And I think I was just like... I, yeah, I'm curious to hear some of the answers you gave. I don't gave. remember exactly what I said. <laughs> I think it was something to the tune of like... He was like, why do you want to be a VC? And I was like, I want to be a VC because like I want to like help like people create. Like I really want to help people learn and create. I think that there's a huge like growth opportunity in New York because like it isn't necessarily at the apex of like a startup ecosystem. And I think there's a lot of growth there. I think low key, I think I said something to the tune of like low key SF is overrated. Like (laughs) I'm not trying to do that. And like he was oddly impressed with that. Like I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was just like he was oddly he was like impressed with that. He wanted to like get on a call with me, and then we had like a conversation, and we really just clicked. And then um, he made me do like an assignment on like this deep tech thing. I think I just had to write like some like a pseudo thesis. It wasn't even like a real thing, and I had like no experience. So like he was just like sent me this prompt and he was like get back to me in an hour. Wow. And I did it, and I sent it back to him, and then I didn't hear back from him for like two weeks. I was just like, what the fuck? Oh my goodness. And like he was just like, you didn't get it, and I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, and I was just like, what? What's the feedback? Like, do you have any feedback? And he was just like, get on a call with me, and I was like, okay. So we get on a call. He gives me feedback, and he's just like, honestly, like no one will ever make you do this. We were just wanted to just do that just to screen people but like here's the places that you could have improved on things that things you could have talked about more and I was like okay cool and then just like we were friends on Twitter and like we kind of just like were kept in contact so I kept in like contact he would like send me like um opportunities for like internships that I should apply to like we kept that dialogue open mm-hmm. and then like six months later he was just like hey we're looking for another scout do you want to join? Wow. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you jumped at the opportunity. I jumped at the opportunity and it was like super cool. And like, I think at that point, like I think my like follower count, like the amount of like networks I was making was like getting stronger and stronger. And it was just like a really crazy time. And then I think around that time, like I got on Clubhouse and it was just like nuts. <laughs> wow. Okay, cool. So this is really interesting to me because I had no idea there was this kind of like behind the scene like following one might even have to build to make an impression or like kind of get noticed in this industry that's really fascinating it's like one way to do it and like i'm don't want to be the person that says oh to be a vc you must have like 10k followers like it does it's not even like that there's plenty of like very successful like people in startups in vc who never tweet who are never Mm -hmm. online I think that was just kind of what worked for me. I think just because I'm very opinionated and I like to talk and I'm just like typing out my, I got to the point where I was just typing out my feelings. Like I think when you start out on Twitter, it's like, it's like kind of like you're afraid to like really say things. You're trying to be super polished. Like you're trying to be a brand. And then like when you stop being a brand and you start just talking to people, then it's like, it all kind of connects. Yeah, for sure. So tell me a little bit about Clubhouse and how that kind of like led to a, you kind of describe it as like a little bit of like a boom, a little pop in that um, kind of. So it was like kind of wild. Like, I think at that point, it was shortly after um, this whole thing called um, I'm Alfi. And I'm not sure if like people read about it in like the news or something, but it was like a bunch of like young tech engineers, a bunch of young people in tech who like came in and like basically trolled all these VCs like super duper hard. And a lot of them I was like 
mutuals with friends with I wasn't I didn't participate because I didn't get the joke <laughs> soon enough <laughs> but um they were basically had like this whole like thing to like troll VCs and like they donated all the money to like a lot of like on um, Black Lives Matter stuff because that was like around the same time as the whole George Floyd incident and um so like they made like new, they made the news for it. It was a whole thing, mm-hmm. and like they had this Discord. Like after the whole thing happened, like they had this Discord that they invited me to, and I was like, because we were like just wanted to keep the whole momentum going, and I was like, yeah, and um, we were on it, and I think we were just talking about like, yeah, we want to like host so maybe a clubhouse room. I'm like, oh, that'd be nice if I had a clubhouse invite. I didn't have it. Didn't have it, and like I think there was this other person on the chat, um, who had an invite, and I was just like yeah like yeah I'd love to get an invite and she's like give me your number and I was like okay cool and I was on it and it was really fun like I had like a it was a really good time it was really cool like meeting like all these different people who are just like interested in specific things and like you could just love to, I would just love to hear them just like nerd out on like this one topic like back then this is when like celebrities were still on it because that right. was before they were getting like blown up on TMZ <laughs> <laughs> but um there would be like rooms where like Virgil Abloh would be like just talking about fashion and you could just tell that he cared a lot and it was just kind of interesting just like think just watching and he's just only one of many examples but like he's like the example I remember the most like he was just like just talking and I was just like damn he really cares about this this is really cool like (laughs) no that's awesome so then kind of tell me how you ultimately decided to pursue your MBA come to CVS and also let me know if there are any sk- steps that have been skipped in between them. Oh, yeah. So there's so back to this whole thing about just me, like, not liking my hometown and me, like, not enjoying small town life. Sure. Like, for me, it was, like, I always liked cities. So for me, it's, like, every time I would go to, like, let's say, like, my family, my um, family is mostly from um, New York area. So, like, we would, I would visit here more than often than I would Boston, to be honest. Um... So we would like go visit here or visit Boston. Like I always felt like a click. Like I felt like present in a way that I've never felt present before. And I was just like, oh my God, there's all these like shops and these storefronts and all these things to do. And I'm just like present and I'm happy in a way that I wasn't happy before. And I was just like, why is that? And um, I think for me, I just like knew that this is where I need to be. Like I need to be like in a city specifically New York because like I feel yeah because of how it made me feel I was like okay I think I need to follow here and since then I think that was like middle school so I think for me like I had like this plot in my mind like this like seven ish year long plot maybe six maybe more or less on how to like get out of Worcester go to the city never come back (laughs) And so basically the plot was roughly like, get as good grades as I possibly can, go to a city school, and we're gonna figure it out. City school, were you thinking at that time like DC? Or this is now after graduation? So I wasn't really too particular about the city. Like I think for me it was like, I wanted to be in a walkable city. I wanted to still be in the Northeast, um, for broadly the Northeast. Um, And I think, that was kind of it for me. So, um, 
New York was like kind of tough because like I did not have the grades for Columbia undergrad. So I would, or NYU, I was a B student um, in high school. So like, it was just like, hmm. So I was like, New York probably wasn't going to happen, but I was like, you know, JC might happen. Like, and I applied to like um, Howard, American, um, BU, like Northeastern, et cetera, et cetera. And I think also my parents were just not too keen on me going to New York. They were just like, no, we're not doing it. Cause like both of my parents have lived here at some point. My mom grew up in like Queens and like my dad, like mm-hmm. his side of the family's in Brooklyn. So like they were just like, and also they're boomers. So like they saw like here, like at the, in the seventies when it was complete like desolation. Sure. So like they they have that in their mind. They're like, you want to go there? No. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was just like, Okay. So, so then now you saw the MBA as kind of your opportunity to finally make that move. Oh, yeah. Like, the MBA was the opportunity. And I think I was, like, looking into it because I think, like, by the time I graduated, I was like, I think I'm interested in business. And I was like, oh, that's too late. So I, like, looked to see, like, okay, I want to be in New York. Like, um, I've always was interested in Columbia, like, to go in some capacity. So I just, like, looked and see, like, what programs did um, the CBS have available. And I just, like dug deep into the MBA and I think like I worked for a couple of years and then I just decided like okay one day I was like New York by 2021 we're gonna do it amazing and then I just went to like all of like the events like just I think I started going to events like 2018 2019 oh it was gosh, like that's like, so <laughs> cool you were ahead of it Nia. I, I was ahead of it like I was just like if I have to get in because I think I, like, read, like, all the forums on, like, how to apply to MBAs, yes. how to, like, get in, like, and it, a lot of it had to do with just, like, making connections, built, making, like, um, building friendships, etc. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I have to go super early so people can see my face, they will know me, and, like, know that I really want to be here. And that's where I met um, Michael Robinson. Yes. <laughs> because so I just kept on going to events so I would go to the info sessions in DC and then I would like come up here for like um, the diversity weekends and like there's some actually some second years up here that I met during those diversity weekends oh, cool. and it just got to the point where he just like saw me at one of these events and he was just like Mia are you going to apply <laughs> Like, do you just like these events? Like, <laughs> kind of slipping an application one of these days? And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to. I just wanted to make sure that, like... 2021 plan. I was just trying to make sure my test scores were right and did sure. everything. So I, like, did that. I joined Forte, did all that, and um, wrote my essays. Like, I did the GMAT for a while, but then, like, I think I just did not have the time to, like, invest. So I, like, switched over to, like, the EA. And that was like basically the same questions mm-hmm. and um, got like a good store on the EA and then I just awesome. sent in my application and now I'm here. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> like living the dream. And living just... the dream, truly. Out here, <laughs> Ivy League, NYC, you know, it's just <laughs> incredible. Congrats. <laughs> We'd love to see it. Um, the, the question that kind of popped in my mind there. Since you were saying you were planning way ahead of time, how did the pandemic affect that application period for you? Because I know, you know, speaking to friends and colleagues currently at business school, it kind of, I I think some people found their reckoning during the pandemic. Some people like hit a wall during it, Um, but you were planning already before it started. So how did that kind of affect that? Oh, it was great. It was like more time to work on my application. Actually, I was just like, if I'm going to be inside all this time, it's more time for me to 
test prep, more time for me to do essays. Like, I was just like, this is time for me to work. Yes, (laughs) yes. Amazing. Love it. And, like, it was also, like, I think, like, the MBA, like, application process was, in a way, like, oddly, like, a healing experience. Oh, wow. And that's such a weird thing to say about, like, an application process. Like, that's the weirdest thing to say, and I completely own that but it was just like with all the essays you have to just dig deep into like who you are why do you do do that and I think just like came into that process like having a rough idea of why but like now like I after doing all the essays and writing and like digging into my deep childhood traumas um I understood like okay this is Nia this is my purpose in life this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to fulfill it I love it. And, like, that clarity is so amazing. Yes, that's powerful. That's powerful. And, you know, I was actually just thinking about this right now as you were talking. Like, I should probably go back and, like, read my applications. Because I feel (laughs) like it kind of... They they were giving that advice, I think, in the first week of school. And it kind of just, like, orients you and kind of, like, makes you remember, like, why you're here. What were those things that you were passionate about fighting for? Because when you land here, you kind of get caught up in the, you know... We're really in the thick of it now, you know? We are in the thick of it, and I probably should read back my applications because I'm just like, oh my god, there's like all these classes and all these like deadlines, all these things to do. It's just absolutely insane in the best possible way. But like sometimes you need that like, that like center. Yes, that grounding. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for sharing. That's so cool. Okay, so now I kind of want to get into your passions and your motivations. So tell us, what are you passionate about? So what I'm passionate about is that, like, I just want to make the world more... I just think I see a lot of inefficiencies in the world that are preventing... And blocks that are preventing people from reaching, like, their actual self-actualized self. Like, preventing people from finding their purpose because of all these systems in place meant to, like, restrict people. And I think for me, I want to like my life's work to be like lifting those restrictions so people can just be great and contribute in the way that they were born to contribute. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to do that through venture capital. So like kind of like I particularly focus on like want to focus on like the creator economy, media, like stuff like that, because I've seen like how um, social platforms have like basically created entirely new industries like let's when we were kids influencers didn't exist right like you couldn't monetize influence but now you can and i'm just thinking like what else can people do with like the proliferation of this tech yeah like the idea of like who celebrities are and um like society have changed completely it's kind of interesting to think about and yeah so many industries are going to be continually disruptive flipped on their head so that's cool that you know you, you've kind of found that area which will allow you to be interacting with that on a daily basis. Yeah, and I just think that the world could be weirder. Like, <laughs> let's like have some more weird, creative, quirky things happening. Like, I don't know. I just think that we've gotten too clinical, and it's like kind mm. of like I don't know. Like life, there is like so like I think maybe in philosophically, I think I'm a little bit of a nihilist in that way. Like, life is. But in like a positive way almost, like the like life has no inherent meaning, but like it is the meaning that you bring to it and the possibilities are endless. So why not like experience what humans can do? Sure. sure. In like the in a positive way. 
So, what motivates you, Nia? What's that thing that just gets you going, allows you to kind of chase these difficult goals? What is that? I think, hmm, I think it's just me wanting to just, I guess, I think it's curiosity. Like, I'm just curious about, like, what is the limits of this world? What is the limits of this universe? And I think that's, like, what I'm interested in exploring. Very cool. Do you have a person who specifically inspires you or someone you look up to? I think I look up to a lot of people. Like, I think in terms of just, like, um, hmm, like, that's something I have to think about. Sure. (laughs) Because I feel like a lot of people inspire me, but, like, um, I was watching this documentary about um, Diana Vreeland and like how she was um, at her tenure at Vogue and I was just inspired of like how she was willing to like push limits of like what beauty looked like and like what aesthetics were possible like I think that was very interesting I don't know too much about fashion in a huge like context like I'm not, definitely not a fashion critic but I was definitely impressed about like how she had a vision and like how she kind of used that vision to kind of like push um, Vogue's brand like forward. Very cool. Very cool. Do you have any hidden talents, Nia? Hidden talents. Um, I sing. Yeah? Yeah. Tell me a bit about that. Have you like performed before? Um, I've performed before, yes. I've performed in a punk band. No way. Yeah. That's so cool. Like two punk bands actually. <laughs> like um it was it was a temporary thing. So like back in DC there was this thing called hat band and like basically you pick a band out of a hat, like basically pick like your singer, your guitarist, keyboard, like randomly. Oh, that's cool. And then you're paired together and then you have to like make one original song, two covers, or more original songs if you want, like, but at least one original song. And um, just kind of like have this like performance and it's like a charity performance. It like raises money for Girls Rock DC, which is basically this like camp that provides like women and non-binary people with um, just music education. And yeah, um, I did it for two years. Uh, the third year of that was um, 2020, and we all know how that ended. Um, <laughs> but like my first band was called Oxford Communists, and then my <laughs> second band was um, Fee Lion. Very cool. Or technically Iron Lion, but like, yeah, it's Iron Lion, but it's spelled Fee Lion. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Like that. That's smart. Awesome. Okay, so. At this stage of the pod, I just want to open up some space for you to tell a story of your choosing. It can be about anything. It can be funny. It can be sad. It can be inspiring. It can be uplifting. It can be random. Anything you want. I can tell you the story about how I have a singular AirPod right now. Please do. Take so, it away. So, me and my cluster went to Peking Duck yesterday, and um, they, everyone brought wine. Like, everyone brought, like, whites, reds. I think someone brought... Um, a, ch- a Chinese liquor. I don't know exactly what it was called, but like everyone brought like their alcohol to Peking Duck because it's like BYOB, um, but and they encourage it. So we did that, and like you know, I raged a little bit too hard, <laughs> and like by the end of the night, like I get in the Uber, like you know when you get in the Uber, you put your headphones in, you're just like listening to music, nothing too crazy, and like when I'm getting out of the Uber. I realized, like, you can feel your AirPods not in your ears. And I'm just like, oh, shit. My AirPods aren't in my ears. Where? Like, it was, like, one AirPod. Because, like, one was in, the other was out. And I was just like, I don't remember taking this out. Like, where did it go? And, like, literally, I'm just, like, looking on the street. Like, where are my AirPods? (laughs) (laughs) And I was, like, in, like, the lobby of my building, just, like, looking around. I was like, where is my AirPod? And I was just like, oh, my God. 
But yeah, that, that's my story now. Oh my so goodness. now I have to go to the Apple store today <laughs> to get to take my AirPods there and hopefully get like a replacement. Like, I don't know how that works. Yeah, I've never single AirPods people. I have never lost an AirPod before, AirPods before. And I've lost it. In, this is the first time. And I lost it in the stupidest possible way. Okay, well, my only recommendation is to go in the find my section of your iPhone and put it on lost mode and you might find it through like bluetooth like if you walk close by to it it will like let you know the last time it was there so a little tip for people oh okay know? i'll try yeah, that try that out <laughs> it's probably in a random uber because i definitely called the uber guy and he was just like no it's not there oh like it's like he didn't even bother to check he right. did not care and oh i was just gosh. like okay well thanks for sharing awesome so I've asked a lot of um, the guests on this part about the story behind the name. Um, can you share a little bit about that from your okay. perspective? So my parents are, um, they wanted to name me um, something in an African language, like kind of like, you know, where I'm, I've, you can't see me now on this podcast, but I am an African-American individual. <laughs> and they wanted to name, wanted to honor that um, heritage with my name. So they picked um, Nia. That's like one of the um, seven days of Kwanzaa. I think that's Nia's the fifth day, I think. So um, they picked that and it means um, purpose. And um, I think at first as a kid, I really had no idea like what, why they named me purpose. I was just like, okay, like, I, it, I had, they're like, you have a purpose. And I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. I have no clue what that is, but okay. And I think now I think it's kind of coming full circle because like after like this whole process and like kind of this whole soul searching that I've done like before and during the pandemic and the MBA process, it's like, I know what it is. Like it's to help people create, it's to help people learn, to help people explore. And it's just like, wow, like I do have a purpose. <laughs> That's awesome. You just love to hear, like, you know, when people kind of, like, fulfill the purpose of their <laughs> names. It, I, I love how that's come full circle. Yeah. Awesome. So now I also want to give you some space to give some shout-outs, some gratitude to some people or person of your choice. You know, in our busy lives, we often forget to say thank you or just give props to people in person, out loud. So, yeah, take it away. Okay, um, shout out to my mom. Um, shout out to my mentor, James Green. Um, shout out to my dad, because I think he will be mad if I leave him out. <laughs> and my brother, and my grandmother. Um, also, like, my friends, um, Naria, Priyanka, Tara, like, um, and Ankur. Like, hey, what's up? I'll see you soon. Um, love it, love it, awesome. In this section of the pod, I would love you to just give us three books, three book recommendations that you think the class should read. I would say um, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, um, walkable, The Walkable City, and the third one, I would say um, Progress and Poverty by Henry George. Finally, what should someone in the Columbia community reach out to you for help about if they're struggling with anything what is something that they can reach out to you for help about um it's multiple things um you can talk to me about like um you can talk to me about like if you need emotional support if you want like someone to just talk to about like things going on like I, I try like feel free like I talk if you want advice like I can give advice um if you're making a startup like if you're have if you are going to found 
like be a founder of a company or if you want to start a company like and you want like a VC's or an, a VC's perspective like yeah come over and talk to me like just you can text you can slack me like you can even like um Hit me up on Twitter. Like um, my handle is underscore yeah. Johnsonator. <laughs> drop that handle. Drop all those handles. Um, you could talk to me on Instagram. Like so, basically, yeah. If you want, like, just like emotional support or like startup support, like, feel free. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I really hope people take you up on those offers. Well, this is it, Nia. I'm so grateful for you for coming on Before the Come Up. It's been so interesting to learn about your background, about you fulfilling your purpose, and I can't wait to see where this journey takes you. Thank you. The final words are yours. I think overall, networks are important, and I think if we're going to, like, have like a more equal situation with like in terms of like career progression and stuff like that we need to like expand our networks to like learn about like different things because I realized that like well main reason why it took so long for me to figure out that I wanted to be a VC was because just like the networks I had access to at the time like, like my parents didn't know what VC was it's like access to like less obvious jobs and I realized that like if I had like a network if, if I had grew up with a network that was more connected in like business particularly like, I think I would have been able to figure out I was a VC a lot sooner than if I, like, didn't. I think that's, like, something that I think a lot of, like, a lot of, like, POC struggle with, like, no matter what your, like, class level is, like, just learning about, like, different sorts of jobs that may not be, like, obvious, may not be, like, your doctor, lawyer, like, the very obvious stuff, but, um, it might be a better fit. But if you don't know it, then, like, you can't really get there and like again it goes back to like self-actualization like by have helping people find their purpose cold summer night should have put my arm around your shoulder i'll just hold you because last night i was thinking all these things i'm not supposed to i guess i didn't see it coming guess i was afraid of loving someone again